Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to another edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Ger McCarthy, and you can follow me on my Instagram and Twitter social media accounts using at germccarthy 74 Today, we present a very special podcast edition dedicated to Camogie, but with some important ladies' football interviews as well. Our special guest is former Cork All-Ireland senior Camogie winning captain, GA analyst and TV presenter, Anna Geary, whose recent Why Girls Quit Sport RTE series proved such a massive hit. We'll also speak to Cork Camogie intermediate captain, Ashley Maloney, and manager Mark McCarthy, following their All-Ireland win over Kildare. Cork senior Camogie captain, Linda Collins, and manager Paddy Murray also joined the podcast, to preview their All-Ireland showdown with Waterford this weekend. And we preview the Cork Minor Camogie All-Ireland Championship clash with Limerick by talking to manager Jerry Wallace. There's also a special interview with Cork Under-16B mentor Tom Linehan ahead of their Munster final with Tipperary. Finally, the Cork senior LGFA footballers are in TG Cahar All-Ireland quarter-final action against Waterford on Sunday. We'll hear from Captain Martino O'Brien plus the Cork senior management team. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Anna Geary is a household name following her TV exploits on series such as Dancing with the Stars, Ireland's Fittest Family and most recently RTE's White Girls Quit Sport, which is available to view and download on the RTE player. Anna talked to me about her sports and media career and her strong views on the reasons why so many young girls continue to leave sport behind when they reach their teenage years. Okay, now it's an absolute pleasure and a real treat to have uh, a former All-Ireland winning captain, Cork Camogie captain uh, and club captain winning uh, Anna Geary on the Women in Sport podcast here on the Big Red Bench. Anna, uh, thank you very, very much for taking, somehow taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. No, delighted to be here. Thanks, Chair, for having me. Obviously, we're going to talk about the fantastic RTE program that you did, Why Girls Quit Sport, and the two-part series, of course, which can still be found on the RTE iPlayer. For anybody that missed it, please go and watch it. It was really, really good. Web, just really, really good. And first question, and I guess really timely, because um, whatever about COVID, but young girls and young girls in sport, and something you know quite a lot about, the drop-off rate and the dropout rate, um, why it occurs and why it keeps occurring. Was that the real heart and soul of why... This this series came. This two part series came about. Yeah, it is very hard to ignore the stats. I mean, by the age of 13, 50% of, of young girls have dropped out of sport. And as well, the the real impetus was really talking to young girls. I mean, you know, in my club that would have played and didn't play, and even parents of, you know, parents that I know that have daughters, and they've messaged me saying, you know, they're really struggling and they've dropped out. I kind of want to know the reasons why, truth be told, because I've played sports since I was six years old. Like, my parents put me into to sport in Milford, small, you know, village in North mm-hmm. Cork. There wasn't too many other things to be doing unless you're part of Kyoto's, part of the girl guys, or part of the GA club. And, you know, at the time my parents put me into sport, it wasn't that they had aspirations for me to be the Cork captain or to be winning All-Ireland. Like, that wasn't the reason. Like, they ultimately put me into sport to make friends and to tire me out so that I would go to bed on time. And I think, you know, the benefits that come from sport, just, it, you, you nurse your life skills that you don't even realise you're learning. You know, whether that's coping with disappointment, whether that's, like, learning to play as part of a team, even though you mightn't be best friends with all the girls, you have to learn to play together. That's very true for loads of different aspects of life, even in work environments. You might like everybody, you just have to work together. Mm. And as I learned a lot in sport, and it really starts to break my heart just seeing the numbers of girls that felt that sport wasn't for them. And they felt that that was a world they weren't allowed to be a part of because they had this preconceived idea of what a sporty person looks like. And that I found that the minute I met the group of girls from Ringling College, 
the girls were either um, girls that had never identified a sporty or had no interest in it or had once upon a time played sport when they were younger and had dropped out of it then as they moved into secondary school. And it was really the reason why the girls were the, the stars of the show and the main focus was if you want to find out why teenage girls drop out of sport, ask them. You know, it's all well and good to have statistics and research and experts and they obviously play a massive part. But we don't know what it's like to be a, a teenager in 2021. So it's like, ask them what it is that you they feel are barriers. And they were so honest and so frank. And for anyone that saw the documentary, you obviously saw um, a lot of that. But there was many other parts that obviously due to editing and you had to cut. They were so willing to give us their opinion, right down to how comfortable they felt in, in gear and, and certain what they had to wear. And we saw the Norwegian beach handball mm-hmm. team and how they were fined for taking a stand with feeling that they what they were wearing didn't enhance their performance or they weren't comfortable in it. And, you know, even small things like white shorts. White shorts for a teenage girl, is it's a very uncomfortable place to be in, even white shorts for a female athlete at any age. So it's just, it's about breaking down the barriers. And the more I got to know the girls and understand why they didn't feel sport was for them, the more I realised, you know, sport should be for everybody. And are we losing sight of what sport is really meant to be in our lives? And I'm not talking for the elites. I'm just talking for the 99% of the population that maybe have no aspirations to be an Olympian or an inter-county player or a rugby player. They just want to do it for recreational purposes and for social purposes. Um, can I, just on that, and that's very well said, can I ask, because researching this interview, before we got, got to this interview, I, I came across something that you said, you had a bit of a light bulb moment and you you, you actually, you as a former All-Ireland winning captain and club captain were questioning yourself that back in the day, were you too strong on people? Were you too harsh on people? Um, you found yourself whilst developing this series and, and producing it that you found asking those very questions. Is that something that you've had a chance to think about since? And is it something that you think, like you mentioned there, sometimes at the elite level, it does get quite serious. But the idea here, as you said, is much more broader than that. We want girls to feel safe, happy and able to develop their social skills in, in a safe environment. But as a former captain, I was just fascinated by that. Have you had time to kind of think on that since? Yeah, I, I suppose really to me, like if you're if you're not going to be part of the solution, well then are you part of the problem? And I suppose the problem with a lot of young girls, and again I'm focusing at young girls at that level, with that, whatever sport they're playing, whatever arena they're in, whatever pitch they're on, I'm not talking about them being trying to be on inter-county teams or development panels. I'm just talking about this everyday training. And I suppose sometimes I was associated sport with winning and losing only. And that was it. That was the main and only focus. Because, you know, I suppose as an athlete, I was kind of conditioned to think like that, that the mm-hmm. bottom line was winning and losing. But to be honest, it's not. Like, the bottom line isn't winning and losing. And yes, it is absolutely such an important part of sport. And I wouldn't be an advocate for removing it, even for younger people, because I think it's important from a young age that you learn about you know, winners and losers and being disappointed and feeling that sense of achievement when you do win. I think it's really important, but I think what we just need to do is remove the main focus off that and remove it to the, all the other positive aspects of sport. So, yeah, as so I started to think about some of the girls, particularly on my club team, maybe when I was, you know, we were that little bit younger and maybe they whether it was through ability or their own interest, didn't want to try and make the inter-county panels and go on to represent Quark. And I suppose sometimes, like, okay, like I would be the type of player that would pride myself on being approachable and pride myself on, on being inclusive. 
But I said to him, Joe, maybe at times I was taking it too seriously. And maybe, and if I wanted to take it seriously, fair enough, but was I pushing that in other people? Mm-hmm. And the amount of players in my own teams and even other people that have played at top level, you know, do you know what? Yeah, maybe I was, maybe that was the way we were. Maybe we were too harsh. Maybe we were, we were losing sight of what sport was meant to be. And like even some of my coaches and managers that I've had down through the years have said that now that they have kids, they look back at themselves going, was I inclusive of the girls that weren't in first time as the best? Did I include number one to 30 equally? Or did I only focus on in first time as the best players? Because to me, when you turn up at sport, any sporting ground in Ireland, as a younger person, or even of any age, you want to feel that you're valued. You want to feel that your value isn't just directly associated and only associated with your talent or your ability. But if you're turning up to be part of a group or a team, you should have that sense of belonging and value and worth. And you shouldn't be ignored because maybe you can't execute the skills as good as somebody else. And that does happen. And Ger, I have got hundreds, and I mean hundreds of messages in particularly in the last week to 10 days. But right throughout this, and people who I was doing it from parents saying that they had girls that were really interested in sport and because of the environment that was created by the coaches that they know because they weren't the best players in the team they no longer wanted to go because they were embarrassed and they felt humiliated when making mistakes they were getting roared at the sidelines and roared out of training I was like my god like I mean as coaching as, as parents you know we have a massive responsibility to ensure that first and foremost the environment is one of fun and enjoyment and absolutely then bring in the winning and losing and the competition and the commitment and you know you can bring that through and gradually increase it as they get older but if we're not creating an environment where it's fun why would they want to come back that's the same as adults if you're, you're not going to do like that's why there's such a big challenge for people to do physical activity because often they're they're doing things you don't enjoy so, you know, why is it any different for younger people? And we have that in our control. Like, one of the greatest learnings that I had as a coach was to realise this isn't my training session. This is their training session. I am just there to facilitate it. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. And like when I was speaking to Clean O'Connor, the former Dublin ladies football goalkeeper who now works in athletic development for boys and girls, men and women of all ages and abilities and levels, she was saying, if we treat a younger person's team the same way as we do an adult's team, in that if we train them the same way, we are doing it wrong. And how many of us are guilty of that? I came to training the very first day with my clipboard, my stopwatch, you know, like my whistle. I was like, that's it. No matter what we're going, we're going to win the bloody thing. And quickly I realised that's not why the girls had turned up. The girls had turned up to feel part of a group and to learn a few new skills and to get physically active. The winning and losing was much further down the line in their list of priorities. And now some of them were more competitive than others, but it still wasn't what they turned up for. And I started to realise, God, Dad, like when I was a teenager, when I think back to my years of playing sport, I don't immediately think of medals and trophies. I think about, you know, the pylons, the back of the bus and the bus trips to matches, the friends that I made that I still have to this day. Like the, even the confidence that I got learning about, you know, as a teenager being really vulnerable and that my body was like, it was an instrument that I could use at, at my will not an ornament. It wasn't, you know, that pressure to look a certain way. Thankfully, sport alleviated that for me. Whereas social media actually completely exasperates that pressure for teenage girls now. So it's kind of trying to make the girls realise they're putting the phone down and stepping away from it and using their bodies as a powerful tool and being proud of themselves for learning and executing new skills. That can give them such a self-confidence and a self-belief 
that sometimes social media can tear away because they, there's this ideal aesthetic that's been bombarded at them 24-7. And you've hit the nail on the head there because I think you're exactly right. And what this series, one of the real positives out of this series is it reminded every bloody coach in the country who forgets that it's kids they're coaching and not adults yeah. and don't follow the adult mantra. Um, I, I just wanted also very briefly before we finish mention the real heroes of this and, and fair play to you and the producers for putting them centre stage were the Rings and Girls and just the oh, yeah. the, the way I think oh, even over just two episodes um, they can't, the, as you said they weren't afraid to offer an opinion but you could see the change and you could see the growth and you could yeah. see the fact that I, I know COVID was a huge hindrance to you in, in, in producing this so fair play for getting it done but how much fun was it dealing with that group? Oh I mean they're their personalities and energy were infectious and honestly I think I learned as much from them as they did for me like I have completely reevaluated the way I would approach sport with younger people and this is free this was the focus on younger people playing sport and it just they reminded me that sport is meant to be fun Life is tough and there's so many things that are being thrown at us sport should be an alleviator of stress not not a creator of it and I think for the girls just even seeing the development in them over, like, even even after about six weeks, we were um, filming for about six weeks before the pandemic hit. And obviously at that stage, we, it was everything was up in the air. We didn't know if we were going to be able to finish it. And the principal came to us and said, I know there's a difference in these girls. Their parents have contacted saying they know there's a difference. You have to keep this going. You have to find a way to finish what you started. And the girls themselves, I was doing Zooms with the girls over lockdowns. We were doing, you know, online workout classes with them and they were hilarious. They're like, I can't do it. I can't, Scarlett. <laughs> and they were just speaking to them one-to-one saying, I can't believe that I'm missing training. And that was like music to my ears because I was so worried after the first training they'd never turn off again. So just for me, it was really important to put the girls centre stage because they are the girls that are experiencing it. And I suppose really it was that empathy then that you had watching them saying, this, this is making such a positive impact on these girls. Maybe we need to give the girls in our localities and our communities a chance. And maybe rather than always focusing on the boys and pushing the boys, we mm. need to push the girls and not just accept when they want to give up because we're all like that in life. Sometimes they need that encouragement and that gentle nudge to persevere. And if you have sons and daughters, are you more inclined to push your son towards sports? But if the girl wants to give up, ah, yeah, that's fine because, you know, that's grand. She's no interest in it. Do we still go to the boys' games over the girls? Do the boys still get the, the top pitches? Mm. You know, do the boys still get the best jerseys, best coaches? Because one of the things that struck me with girls is they were so honest, but they were also so intuitive. They they soaked it all up. And Robin, people would have seen in the first episode saying, but you're, like, girls aren't as valued in sport as boys. Women's sport isn't as important as boys and, and men's. And they learn that from us, from adults. Whether that's from the government not giving equal funding, whether that's from the media, whether that's from parents giving more attention to the boys, whether it's coaches, teachers. Like, and we, the thing is, there's so many things that we can't change immediately, but we can change that. We can change the language, we can change the attitudes, we can change the behaviours. And if anybody has the audacity to turn around and say that sport is a men's game or sport is for men or, you know, that Asher women, it's a lovely little game. Like, even that word, little, mm. so condescending. It sends a message that you don't think they're as, as important and that they're only... They're only there as visitors. You know, they don't really belong in the world. Small things like that, if we can change the language, that will filter down to younger girls. And I think if they do feel as valued and as important and that their contribution is is met with the same recognition and acknowledgement, 
well then they might be that little bit more likely to stay in sport and even if it's only 5% more likely well isn't that great because I think you know we all want to feel no matter what we're doing in life whether it's a job a relationship you, we all want to feel valued and I think the girls that sense of accomplishment that they got when they crossed the finish line and just like I've had messages from them since saying mm. I, I look at myself differently now you know that the confidence that they gained from it and to me that's one of the greatest things sport gave me Mm. When you're on, you're on a pitch and there's a ball coming at you, you have to back yourself that you're going to win that ball. You know, because if you don't, then you don't have a chance in hell of winning it. So it's that self-belief. And like that, we all need that in life too. And I think like that's why sport is so much more important than winning and losing. It's so much more important than trophies. And might I add as well, George, just before I finish, mm. you know, I'm speaking a lot about the things that coaches and parents can do to change the environment, to make it more um, facilitating for younger girls and boys. But I also think we need to look at those coaches that year after year have great retention rates and year after year they get the same numbers coming back to the gate to their training sessions. They should be lauded and praised just as much as the, the, the coaches that bring back the trophies. Yes. Because if you bring back a trophy with an under-12 team at the expense of 50% of those girls or boys dropping out the following year, what good was the trophy? So to me, we nearly need to re- nearly redefine what success is for younger sport, for younger people's sport. And, and and look at the coaches that are doing it right. Again, I got loads of messages to people. We have a coach in our club and she trains the under-14s and they skip through the gates to her. They absolutely love her. Mm. Amazing. What is she doing that is, is getting those kids engaged and excited about it? Let's mirror what she's doing. Let's replicate it, you know? And I think that's the kind of stuff that we need to be teaching in the coaching qualifications. Is, you know, it's really important, your approach. And if you have, as a coach and a parent, an like an opportunity to have such a positive impact. Like when I think back of coaches down to the years that I've had, oh my God, like the coaches that I've enjoyed coming to their trainings, like they, I'll be forever in my death to them. Yeah. But equally, I also remember the coaches that didn't make it enjoyable. And you know, I, I would probably be crossing the street just to avoid them because they had that kind of an impact on me. So for any coaches or parents listening, you, you can actually make a change whether you think it or not. You can actually make a real difference in younger people's lives if you just create the environment where they feel safe and comfortable and have a sense of belonging. And like that, to me, is what we should be focusing on. And, like, and great, the winning is fine. But sure, you know yourself in any competition or tournament, there's only going to be one winner. Mm. And it shouldn't be a case that if you're first, you're last. You know, there has to be other, uh, other I suppose, markers of success as well in the year. Otherwise, should you, why would any of us do it? Um, again, brilliantly said. We've gone way over the allotted time, but I have just one last very quick question I've always wanted to ask you. You made yeah. the transition from dressing room, intercounty dressing room, to TV. So yeah. why girls quit sport, uh, dancing with the stars, Ireland's fittest family, and you're very, very busy and you're a very, very, a person who's in the media quite a lot. I know you miss playing, Anna. Oh, yeah. I, I know you do, but how often does it drift into your mind those days playing for Cork, those days playing for Milford, how often, despite all the work and all the success, and congratulations on that, your analysis as well with RT Sport, how often are you looking out in that pitch going and does it drift into your head going, I wish I was back out there? Oh yeah, now I haven't hung up the, the hurley entirely, like I mean, when COVID and everything hit and I moved to Kildare, I still plan on running out in the pitch, maybe even hobbling out in the pitch at yeah. the stage because my, my body's so old in couple years. But, you know, like, but yeah, when I hung up the, the or when I wrapped my hurley in, in bubble wrap, um, when I stepped back from Cork, 
I remember doing the Sunday game in September they were 2015 when they were in the All-Ireland and like I just wanted to be out there you know I absolutely did and every time Cork are going well in championship in, in an All-Ireland you know I get that twang in my belly I came out of retirement in my head about five times in the first 18 months you know what I mean like I was like oh I can go back there but I suppose really it, it's not just about being able to be back there it's also about the commitment that comes with it and I was somebody that if I was in it I was all in it like I was 100% in it because at that top level you need to be and when my job changed and I started getting involved in in the likes of broadcasting where it's unsociable hours and you, I wasn't prepared to be the player that was missing the training and the matches I just it, I wouldn't have sat well with me and also wouldn't have been good for my confidence if I was marking the best of the best and I knew I had only maybe been present at 70% of the training and that's just how I work but yeah, like when I look back again to those days, of course I've had you know such um, success with the team, and will be forever grateful to, to Cork for what it's given me and give me a hell of a lot more than I've given it back. But it's not the All Ireland medals that I think about. It's it's the I suppose the opportunities to meet people that would have been rivals. Like I mean, my my maid of honour uh, two years ago was Joanna Callan. And we, we took scalps out of each other playing Club Open Milford and Club Championship and yet was one of you know, is my best friend. And like I got that from, from Kogi. You know, so I think it is you know, that will never leave you. You're always gonna have that connection, you're always gonna have that bond, whether that's you know, talking to people that you've played against. Like I, I was at a reading recently in Core Hennessy, the chip Komogi player was there and Core and I matched each other in an all Ireland final in two thousand six. Um, thankfully it was one of my better days in the Cork jersey and we won the All-Ireland I got player of the match in that final and uh, we ended up living together in college two years later so you know it's just it's the beauty of friendship how it brings people together and I think that's what I probably miss most is the dressing room you know Mm -hmm. that banter that for me was really hard to step away from and and I'm looking forward to some stage down the line getting back into that dressing room because it's very hard feeling to to kind of to get back um, it, there's nothing kind of replicate this and I think you know people are very lucky and privileged to be in those dressing rooms and I suppose we then just want to make sure that there's a right kind of vibe and energy in those dressing rooms because sometimes we forget that sport is, is meant to be fun even as, as adults we can take it a bit too seriously and you know there are so many other things going on in our lives you know go step out in that pitch and be grateful to be out there because there's so many people that would love to be in camps why Girls Quit Sport is still available on the RTI player. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, I encourage everybody to go and see it. If the this interview isn't enough of a selling point, I don't know what is. Anna Geary, it's, as always, a pleasure to speak to you. Continued success and happiness on and off screen for you um, in the Thank coming you. years. Keep up the great work as well. You've been along and covering women's sports before a lot of other people were doing it. So fair play, keep up the great work. Appreciate that. Thank you very much, Anna. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 pm. Cork defeated Kildare 115 to 07 in their opening All Ireland Intermediate Camogie Championship Group 2 fixture last weekend. I got Captain Ashling Maloney and Manager Mark McCarthy's reaction to that win, plus their thoughts ahead of this Saturday's All Ireland clash with Antrim. Okay, Cork Intermediate Camogie Captain Ashling Maloney um, was on the pitch today for a very very important win for Cork they got off to their All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie Championship campaign off to a very very important and good start defeating Kildare 115 to 7 in Group 2 in uh, Hawkfield uh, Ashling, it looks like it was a very warm day it seems like it was a very humid day were the conditions difficult for the players in what was an important win? Um, yeah they were it was very very hot and um, the pitch was very, very hard as well. So I think we kind of had to judge the bounce and be careful not for 
for the ball not to go over our head in that. And in the second half, we played against a strong enough breeze that was taking the ball towards the sideline. So we just had to be careful of that as well. And certainly in this heat, I think we're not really built for the heat. But to be fair, we had prepared well and drank loads of water and stuff. So I think we had ourselves well ready for today. You had to be, Ashley. This is a good Kildare team you beat. That's it, exactly. We knew that coming up to Kildare today we were going to have a battle on our hands and I think in the opening 15 minutes we knew we were well and truly in a battle. Um, Kildare left nothing. Um, they hit us hard and they pushed up on us, especially in the first 15 minutes. So we knew we knew we had a battle on our hands, but I think we just took to our game plan and, and pushed on and we got the scores and ultimately at the end of the day, I suppose that's what you want, to get the scores and it showed on the, on the scoreboard at the end of the day. Indeed it did. You had a good range of scorers as well. We don't normally pick out individuals. I mean, obviously Rachel O'Shea's seven points were very important, as was Kate's Wall- Kate Wall's 1-2. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, as you say, it's great that we don't normally have to pick out individuals, but it's brilliant for Kate and Rachel have gotten us off to such a great start today. And I think quite a lot of her scores as well. That's absolutely brilliant. You know, the more people you can see scoring is great. I suppose that builds confidence too for all of the forwards and I suppose it builds confidence for the back line too because we know when the ball is going up there's a good chance of it going over the back. Indeed. And from your own point of view, Ashling, you don't get much of, a tar- uh, much of a rest now. You're back into training early this week and then Antrim and Kilkenny to come. Yeah, absolutely. Back to training now on Monday night and we have Antrim in Cork next Saturday again. Um, Antrim will definitely be a very, very tough match. They're beating all Ireland finalists from last year so we know that it's going to be a very, very hard battle next weekend. And ultimately, I suppose if you have, if us as a panel or we as a panel have designed on winning in All-Ireland, I suppose these are the teams that we have to beat. So next weekend is a very, very important game on, on our, um, in our site. So I suppose this week is just preparing and having a look at Antrim and seeing how they're going to set up and just putting our plan in place and being ready as best we can for next Saturday. And how important is conditioning at this point of the season for you, Ashling? Obviously, you've come through a league campaign, you've come through Munster, albeit just the last Tipperary, but considering the hot weather and the heavy pitches, this really does know is where your individual players' conditioning comes into comes into the reckoning and you need to be at, if, you, if at all, tip-top shape. Oh, absolutely. This is the time when, when we have to put in all of the work and I suppose it's, we have to be ready for every Saturday now. These are the games that count. You know, the league is over now and now it's do or die we've three matches and we've three chances to top our group and progress through an All-Ireland semi-final and ultimately that's where we want to be at the end of the year and giving ourselves the best chance to play in Co-Park in, in September so it's really important that every single girl is in tip-top shape and ready to go every weekend Last Saturday an excellent win for the Cork Intermediate Camogie team under Mark McCarthy getting off the mark in the All-Ireland Championship against Kildare in pretty hot conditions Mark first and foremost congratulations uh, a very very good win and were the conditions quite difficult today for the players? Thanks very much sure. uh, it, was, it was it was challenging you know the, the pitch was firm it was, uh, it was tough out there in terms of temperatures as well uh, we were looking forward to the water break you know getting them in and getting them fueled up again but definitely the, the pitch played its part there was a lot of a lot of swiddling cuts and uh, a lot of stoppages so look going forward I suppose just look, keep in mind the conditions it's going to be going to be changeable but uh, the same for both teams um, you got scores at crucial times as you always need in these types of matches but what were you most pleased with from your squad's performance today I suppose just the cohesion, the cohesion really you know um, 
the girls worked the ball, transitioned up from defence into attack nicely. We worked on a couple of things there in training, and it's it's to pick out those those key forwards there. Uh, just making sure that we're keeping the scoreboard taken over because in previous games we had we had lulls where we mightn't score for 10-15 minutes so pretty happy overall with, with how we responded to a physical Kildare team for the first 5-10 minutes um, Yeah because you had quite a lot of groundwork done obviously with your league campaign and bring it into this but what did you do in between the league and the championship in terms of what were you kind of honing in on in terms of your preparation? Only in now is really just getting the basics right. We had a disappointing result against, result against Tipperary a couple of weeks ago in the Munster final. Uh, leading into the Munster final, look up, going straight into a once-off match. Uh, really, we were very much caught in the hop that day and, and it was about getting the mindset right. So a lot of what we worked on now is just getting the, the minds clear going into the games, get the basics well. Uh, and in terms of structure then, you know, having a, a clear pattern that all players no matter if they're they're number 30 on their back or 16 or number one you know they all know exactly what they're doing aside from that monster game though the league campaign did it give you a sense of your strongest 15 and if so were you able to get were you able to utilize that today or are you always picking from that panel of 30 and just going with whoever the opposition are that's it we're always we're all picking from the panel of 30 we have uh, great strength and depth there uh so nailing down that 15 and sticking with a 15 uh might be the case for other teams, you know, but not for ourselves there now. Any any girl on their day could potentially slot into that, any position. So we're going to keep an open mind, go back training now on Monday and into Wednesday and whoever's going going well, we'll uh, select them. Yeah, because you don't have much time to rest. This is the good thing about this All-Ireland Championship for you, Mark. You've got Antrim next and then you finish off the group against Kilkenny. Three games coming thick and fast, but that's what your players and that's probably what yourself you like the best. Exactly. You can you know, you can build momentum there. Also it's it's quite challenging if you do have a loss, but it's really now build on today. Uh the next couple of weeks will be difficult, you know, there's no doubt Antrim are one of the best teams in the country as are Kilkenny. So it'll be a challenge, but you know, it's one that we've been working for for the last number of months. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. It is a very busy weekend for Corkamogie with the county's senior team taking on Waterford in the All-Ireland Championship at Parky Ring on Saturday afternoon. I got Cork senior manager Paddy Murray's thoughts ahead of that clash, but first, here's Cork senior captain Linda Collins on our county's recent victory over Yes, Joe. a very good weekend for Cork Camogie um, with a lot of good results across all the various grades, but at the very top, at the senior grade, the longest trip of the day and probably of the season for the Cork Senior Camogie team. They went up to down and beat them 113 to 10 points. Captain Linda Collins was on the score sheet and she joins us now here on the Women in Sport podcast. Linda, um, first of all, congratulations on the win. Let's talk about the journey and the conditions. How hot was it and how tiring was it even just getting there? Yeah, I mean, like it was a very long journey up. We we left this morning at eight o'clock and we're still only halfway home now and it's half nine. So I suppose it's a, it's a long day out for anyone but uh, yeah, very hot conditions as well. Like last week, we had 28 degrees in Parky Ring. And this week, it said it was only 24, 25, but it felt like a lot more. So I feel we're only getting used to the playing the sunshine now and sure it'll probably be gone again next week. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you, you just have to t- you have to take whatever conditions you get on the day. But I mean, at least you had a bit of experience of playing in hot conditions before this weekend. And was that a benefit? Yeah, definitely. It's just to us. You could see by us, you know, we knew how to um, kind of manage the heat and things like that and electrolytes and all of that at halftime and things. So, I mean, it was definitely an advantage to us that we had played in such warm conditions the week before as well, yeah. It sounds like it was quite a, a tight opening 30 minutes, but that Fiona Keating goal, how important was that? 
oh brilliant and I mean she beat about four defenders or about six defenders <laughs> when she was going in so it was it was great and yeah we really needed it at the time they were playing about nine or ten in their defence so it was really um, clogged but fair play to the half back line and everything they started to take their frees from outside so it was yeah really well really well done I feel we had to kind of change a few things but it was good we, we adapted well and I feel players really um, managed well and coped well with the blanket defence as well so it was good yeah, and considering like the scores, scoring hasn't hasn't been a problem. Two nineteen against Dublin, one thirteen away from home, and tough conditions in both occasions. You'd be hoping to carry that kind of scoring form into the final group game against Waterford. Yeah, definitely. I suppose you know you're kind of trying to try something different all the time and build on what we've learned all the time as well. So yeah, look, I mean, um, if we're getting on the scoreboards, we're kick or tipping away all of the time. So, uh, the most important thing is that we're learning every time we come out, and I think we did that today. Um, we talked about conditions, but how important has it been? And we 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 spoke to Ashing Maloney, the intermediate captain, asked her the same question. So I'm going to ask you this as well, Linda. But conditioning of the players, of the individual players, it's vital now at this time of the season. Not just with the conditions, but fa- the factor starting to hit the home straight of the uh, All Ireland Championship. Yeah, exactly. This is what this is where it matters now. You know, I suppose you need to be at the top of your game because you're coming up against um, girls who are really at the top of their game as well, and other teams. So I suppose uh, it's really only coming to the fore now. And in fairness, everybody's looking after themselves, and you know, we don't touch wood. We won't have any injuries or anything like that. I mean, we're trying to mind ourselves as well because it's week on week. So it's just trying to pace ourselves as well. Does it help the fact that there's only match the matches are coming thick and fast because I mean the Waterford game will be coming up straight away now and irrespective of how they get on against Dublin like it's you need to win that game and hit the ground running for the knockout stages. Yes, absolutely. Like I mean, the, the more games we get, the better, and the more wins we get, the more confident girls get as well. So um, no, definitely we'd be looking to put in a performance again against Waterford next weekend. How happy are you with your own form, Linda? Because uh, it's not an easy team to to keep the play, your place and considering the talent that's on the bench and that's been coming off and making an impact yeah no I'm happy, happy enough you know just uh, trying to do the right thing on the ball all the time and make good decisions on the ball and things like that so look I mean like it's great that we do have the girls on the bench and everything so um, no we'd be looking to use them a lot more now as well sure the season and when it is such a condensed season you know you, you need to be using these players and they're just the part that anybody else Delighted to be joined by the Cork Senior Camogie Manager Paddy Murray following his side's 113-10 All-Ireland Championship win up north against Down over the weekend. Paddy, first of all, congratulations. A long journey, but the result you were looking for. Yeah, it was. Yeah, look, uh, it was a good result. Uh, long journey and, uh, you know, the heat and things like that as well. So it was good to get it over with. Um, you've been playing in quite uh, hot conditions over the last couple of weeks and months like every inter-county team but um, a hard pitch and those difficult conditions again in terms of cardiovascular in terms of endurance that will bring your players on again ahead of the next game against Waterford Yeah it probably will but I suppose just looking at the match uh, itself I think we will learn an awful lot from it um, you know granted you, you mentioned the, the, the weather you know the trip I suppose some people were five hours in the bus yesterday um, the surface was, was appalling probably the worst I've seen mm-hmm. um, not a blade of grass to be seen in in, in the place um, and then you play against a team that played eight defenders four across the middle of the field and two attackers so it it, 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 it I suppose created its own test to a pretty young team um, you know I thought we quitted ourselves well I, I, I suppose to be fair we we never panicked 
it was very, very frustrating. But, um, you know, we stuck to the task. So I think from that point of view, uh, I'm very happy. As frustrating as it was, Potty, it's still a very good experience for your younger players, as you said there, because there will come a time where maybe they face 50, maybe even 60 minutes of an inter-county match where that may be the case in terms of tactics. So are you pleased that they came through it and were able to overcome that? Yeah, look, I, I like. Um, there's, I suppose, you can do all the training you uh, want, but you'll never, uh, I suppose, replicate the real thing. And uh, I think we can take an awful lot from from yesterday. Um, and I suppose when we come to the latter end of 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 the year, and, and I suppose get down to the nitty gritty stuff, some of these games will become very frustrating, very tight. And, uh, you know, like the main thing is, is we've got to stay composed at all times during those uh, occasions. So uh, I think that's probably the message that uh, we'll be bringing back to the team this year or this week that, you know, um, I think the team is, is you know, creating its own little bit of personality. Um, I think there's good composure there. Um, I think there's good spirit there as well, you know. There definitely is, and what's also noticeable to me is the spread of scoring, that you're not over-reliant on one player in each of these games to get you over the line. I mean, Fiona Keating got 1-1, Katrina Mackey weighed in with 4, but there's a nice spread of the rest of the team that when the chips are down and somebody may not be getting the space, other forwards seem to be able to step in and keep that scoreboard ticking over, which is just as important heading towards the latter stages of the championship. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think yesterday, with the way our inside uh, three were being marked, uh, it was up to the people outside um, to get on the scoreboard, and I suppose to walking into the, the, the scoring zones, uh, I thought we did that well enough. I suppose, look, if you really wanted to be critical with us, you'd probably say we should have probably maybe tagged on maybe four more points, but I think you've got to... Uh, I suppose the, the ground didn't allow people to pick a ball fast, fast. You know, it took two, three, four attempts sometimes. You know, free taking as well to the next impossible lift the ball off the ground. So I think those things have to be taken into account. So you know, look, I I've I suppose watched it back the match, and the more I'm looking at it, you know, I thought we uh, I think other teams we'd have gone in the past and we'd have blown up. You know, so yeah. I, I'm quite happy with it. And just finally, looking ahead to Waterford, uh, your final group game in this All-Ireland Championship, you played them back at the end of May and you got the win down in Walsh Park uh, and put up 3.15. Obviously, you want some sort of, you want a similar result. But what are the key things you're looking for out of this? I suppose, again, uh, I suppose we, 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 we working off a system, we, we have our own, I suppose, targets we want to hit match day. Um, you know, and we we've taught the girls during the the, the 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 group stages that we're playing against ourselves. We have certain targets we want to hit match day, and it'll be no different the next day. Funny enough, it'll be winner take all. So uh, you know, Watford uh, will be coming to win the game as well, um, and whoever whoever wins will finish top of the uh, group. So it's important that we finish top. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Under 16B Camogie Panel registered a terrific 211-1-2 Munster Championship semi-final win over Clare at Castle Road last Sunday. A young panel drawn from a huge range of Cork clubs will now contest this year's Munster Under 16B decider with Tipperary. Team mentor Tom Lenehan joined us on the Women in Sport podcast to talk about a talented group of up-and-coming Camogie players. Now, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by one of the mentors of the Cork Camogie Under-16 B squad who had a fantastic result against Clare in the Munster 
Under 16B Championship on Sunday evening. Tom Lennon from the Ballinora Club joins us. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Congratulations, first of all. Obviously, um, this is a second under-16 team that Cork Field uh, in Camogie, but you had a great win over Clare uh, to reach the Munster final. Uh, how pleased were you with the performance? The performance, I suppose, Joe, we were, we were very pleased with it. Um, as you know, as you mentioned there, it's our, it's our second team. Um, we've been with the girls probably now for about six or seven weeks and the, what we focus on them really was as you put it there a performance and for them to come out tonight first time really together in our proper competitive game and to put in the level of work rate and teamwork that they did was very very pleasing I suppose for, for us the management of, of the team yeah, and like that's the thing, Tom. Like a lot of counties struggle um, to get a panel of thirty for one Camogie inter-county panel, but such is the talent in Cork that not only are you able to field the second panel and squad, but a very talented one as well. Absolutely. I mean, when we when we look at putting it together, we've on our team we, we've nineteen clubs from the county represented. You know, we've far reaching down Clannacilty, back down as far as Bodavent, and everywhere in between. So there's no shortage of, of talent out there underage in Cork at the moment. I mean, I suppose that is down to the huge work being put in by clubs with the girls underage, and we can see it now coming through. And when we get to pulling girls in for a court panel, it makes the job very easy for mentors for us because the groundwork is done, and it's a matter of just putting the girls together, gelling them, and trying to get the performance out of them as a team on the night. And he certainly got that because to put up two eleven against any Clare team, no matter what grade it is, you must be doing something correctly. And you got two very important goals as well. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the a bit of home, a bit of home knowledge maybe helped us as well. Directly in this one mm. in Castle Road, as you probably know, that there seems to always be a win. So we kind of took our chances and we went with the advantage of the wind in the first half. And I mean, the the scoreline looks nice, but it probably doesn't do credit to the the intensity and the the work of the game. I mean, first water break, we might have only three points to no score. But it, it was a huge battle. And I mean, we took our chances with the advantage of the wind, which died in the second half for us, thankfully. But, you know, it, it was just that intensity and work rate through it managed to probably just pull out the, the scores at the vital time. And as you mentioned, those goals, it was the lead up to half time. We were probably struggling to get get enough of an advantage with the wind on the scoreboard but those two goals proved vital for us when they came How pleasing is it Tom because I know it's not you, you've, it's not just you there's a big management team there and a lot of people and also we have to mention Black Bee Investment your sponsors as well Like there's a lot of work goes in in the background even if it has been if it, uh, people say seven weeks but that's a huge amount of work and also you had to score the county as you said to pick out the best players just to make us a B panel like there's, there's so much interest in Camogie and Cork now it must be very gratifying for yourself to see the performance tonight and to get to a Munster final It is I mean to get to I suppose you know when you when you get involved with, with sport as we do in, in Camogie with these girls it, it is a pretty easy job for us to be honest Joe, because it's the girls I mean their attitude their willingness and they just they just want to play camogie. Mm. I mean, we probably could feel the third team, I would say, if we went looking for it in Cork, the level of interest at the moment that's out there in this age group. And I mean, they we were together six weeks training. Once a week is all we did. We didn't want to pull them too far from their clubs. But the commitment for the girls to come training, no matter where they're coming, back from holidays, back from training camps, 
they make the commitment and they make it very, very easy as a group of mentors to put them out on the pitch. Yeah, and yourself and Shelley Cooney and Esther O'Leary have done fantastic work with the girls, it's obvious. But now that you've gotten over that semi-final, no, there's very little turnaround because on the bank holiday weekend, you face a familiar foe in the Munster final. That's correct. So, final now is scheduled down for next um, Monday and Tipperary, I believe, is, is our is our opponent for this one. Venue yet to be undecided and we'll be hopeful maybe with um, the under-16As are also in a Munster final, so we might be hopeful of maybe getting a double header, you know, which would be great for the girls to have a bit more support there. So yeah, look, it, we've only got one week, so we'll probably get the girls together once, um, work on a few little bits, and just probably try and tee them up and, and get them get them relaxed and ready to go again for next Monday. And just finally, Tom, from your your own perspective, as you've said, the girls that you're working with are obviously very self motivated. For them at this level, it's it's it really it's a big bonus for them if they get to win a Munster Championship. It puts them in the shop window as such if they want to make and push on into that under-16A or even minor uh, panel for the following year. So there's a huge amount of competition, I would imagine, for places. It is. I mean, we've, we've 24 girls, 25 girls on the on the panel for the under-16Bs. And it is a tough, tough decision to you know put out 15. We used 20 tonight in, um, in the, the heat, I suppose, and... To be fair, it, it needed the full 20 girls. We could easily have brought on the other 10 girls. The, the level of difference between the girls and competition-wise is very, very small. You see that in their training. They push each other. But I think it's just their desire and their love for playing Camogie. And then to be able to play and represent Cork, I don't think they regard this as any 16A or B. They're playing Camogie. They're playing for Cork. And of course... There's girls on this, which I've no doubt will feature for court teams on the road. There's serious, serious talent there with some of these girls. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Jerry Wallace's Cork Camogie minor team defeated Clare in their All-Ireland minor championship opener last weekend. I got Jerry's reaction to that hard-earned victory and his thoughts ahead of their upcoming All-Ireland meeting with Limerick. Okay, we're joined now by the Cork Camogie minor manager, Jerry Wallace, who is coming off a fantastic All-Ireland minor A championship victory over Clare uh, just recently and preparing for another Munster derby this coming bank holiday weekend against Limerick. Jerry, uh, first of all, congratulations on defeating Clare uh, 221-110. to It was a high-scoring game. How tough was it? Uh, on the day, it was quite difficult. We had to cope with the uncanny Irish weather. Uh, the, 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 it was unbelievable last Sunday, to be honest with you. There's great credit due to the girls. Um, we were in in uh, uh, in the in the Camogie grounds. There, no shade whatsoever. The match started at two o'clock. I. To both teams was great credit to both Clare and Cork to ourselves in particular we travelled up on the day and I do think that the manager acknowledged that afterwards from Clare she came to us afterwards she had a chat with us she wished our team well she was very impressed with our team our fitness levels which does great compliment you to Sonia Welch in relation to the fitness our lady from the Glen she's doing wonderful work with our players but also the way that our players are moving the ball uh, great compliments to both Mike uh, Boland and Mark O'Sullivan too and the way they're doing that but the game the game was tough and in fairness to the referee we had a chat with him before the match and he was brilliant towards the water breaks he allowed an extra half a minute at each of the water breaks and it allowed us to make sure that the girls were being looked after because out there over the hour we uh, in the in the third quarter we had to take off our two midfielders because of the work they were doing 
the amount of running that they were covering uh, with the helmets on in that incessant heat and uh, they did fabulous work up to that time and then we were able to introduce two more girls and move on again. Fabulous win for Cork on the day. Uh, we took care of business, you know, having travelled away from home. We got a great score. Uh, we ended up scoring 221 in total. We had a fabulous performance from everyone involved on the day. So we're very, very happy moving forward to our next group stage game this, Sunday, this coming Sunday. And it doesn't get any easier, Jerry, because as good as Clare were and playing at home as well, and although you have home advantage at the Castle Road this weekend on the bank holiday, Limerick will pose a very stiff challenge, I would assume. They will indeed. Like, uh, like we, we, we beat Limerick in the Munster Championship, but that's a finished competition and we're the champions of Munster. But now it's a new competition. Limerick will have learned a lot about us from the Munster Championship. We learned a lot about Limerick too. But... Um, my reflection back on the Munster Championship match in the early exchanges when the game was tight and both teams were very competitive, Limerick missed two great goal chances. So I'm hoping that our players have learned from that and that our players will uh, be defensively minded when Limerick are attacking us uh, with their overlapping players next uh, next Sunday in Castle Road. Uh, Limerick have some fine players. They've got a girl by the name of Kira Mulqueen there, and they have uh, Lena Stokes, uh, Emma Kennedy there from Dune, you know, uh, a couple of girls there from Cricora, uh, Amy O'Connor, uh, Megan Welch there from Brough. You know, they're, they're, they have a nice hurling team. Uh, Elaine, Frawl, Elaine Frawley, uh, Cle- Cleona Ryan there as well from Dune. You know, all these girls are well able to play the game of hurling, and, you know, they'll be coming looking for something this Sunday. They also have the advantage, sure, that they didn't play last Sunday in the heat. So we have this week mm. to try and recover and get ready to go again. Um, but look, we're going to be competitive and we'll be there or thereabouts at the end of this game as well on Sunday. So we will. Jerry, can I ask you, just from your position yes. and, and, and the amount of time you've put in um, to Camogie in Cork, uh, we're, we're dedicating the podcast to more or less Camogie this week at under 16 level, both A and B at intermediate level and also at senior level and now hopefully as well at minor level it's like a rising tide at the moment the number of victories but more importantly the number of performances and the high quality of players that Cork is producing what is that down to? Uh, I, I, I think it goes back maybe to three or four years ago um, like Paddy Murray had won a car won with the senior team and the intermediate team won, won on the same Sunday above in Dublin and we were quietly behind the scenes after being put in place and as management teams and I think we had our first success that same year with the Cork minor team and uh, the Cork under 16s then had a great win the following year with the with the under with the under 16 All Ireland and like we were lucky enough to defend our title the following year at underage and if you were to take a look at Paddy Murray's senior team now at the transition of players is starting to take place um, from the groups that have come from 16 to minor and now they're moving in towards the senior and also Matt McCarthy's intermediate team does a huge representation of the, the, the two teams that won the minors and the under-16 tournament there from years back. Um, I think Cockamogie had a vision under the stewardship of Mary McSweeney and under Murray Donovan uh, to cement in some very good people with the teams and, and you know I'm not talking about myself I'm talking about the management teams yeah. there are some very sound and solid people involved and there are some very good training programs in each of the age groups now coming through from 16 uh, to the minor to the senior so there's a there's a there's a pathway there uh, it was unfortunate as I said earlier 
that we lost the competition last year at minor because that interrupted with the pathway at both 16 and minor last year. But it's back. So hopefully you now in this year this year no we can we can push forward. But then you must remember one thing, we're only the guardians, like so Paddy Murray, Jerry Wallace, Mark McCarthy, Donny Daly. We're only the guardians of these players because these players are actually developed at home in their gardens by their mums and dads but also by the clubs. Mm. And there is absolutely fabulous work going on in the club structure. Now, there is a, to me, there is a weakness at the senior club structure at the moment, mm. but there isn't at the underage and there isn't in the minor grades coming through where the development is taking place. But I do believe that for the for another debate, another day, the, the, the senior club structure needs to be looked at and intermediate and junior, where it makes it more meaningful and more competitive for the girls that are at home there waiting while inter-county things are going, going mm. on. But Cork is in a good place at the moment and we need to keep building on it and we need to keep working diligently towards what we're trying to achieve, which is, you know, create players that on any given day that represent Cork will give a great, honest effort for the county. That's what it's all about. And at the end of the day, then if we do that, our families can go happy, can go home happy, but we might win an adult trophy here and there as well, George. And on that, and that that's very well put. Listen, we wish you all the best this weekend against Limerick, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again pretty soon about the business end of the All Ireland Minor Championship. Thanks very much indeed, Joe. Very much appreciated, and thanks for the support towards Cork Morgan as well. Very much appreciated. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Cork takes on Munster rivals Waterford in this weekend's TG Cahar LGFA All Ireland Senior Football Championship quarter final. I caught up with manager Evie Fitzgerald, head coach Paddy O'Shea and captain Martine O'Brien ahead of Cork's eagerly anticipated last eight encounter. Uh, no, Martine O'Brien, we're at the business end of the championship, the All-Ireland Championship and it's Waterford again. They had a very, very good win over Tyrone. You had a good look at them down in Dungarvan. This ain't going to be easy. Oh no, definitely not. Um, look, I suppose when any team getting to a court final in a championship it's never going to be an easy game and Waterford have really shown I suppose their league campaign was quite good and they they, they had, we only beat them by two points down in Dungarvan so um, look not taking them lightly obviously um, but look we're looking at our own game um, and we're looking at what we can do and look we want to get into the next the, into the semi-finals and, and Waterford are standing in our way um, you've had a good run into it as well you've had a lot of good training sessions even here now today down in West Cork again seems to be a good camaraderie within the squad but a lot of competition for places which is exactly what you'd want yeah um, I suppose in the last probably maybe couple of years the, the lads have de- as they have been saying we've been building really like and uh, I think they've really built a really strong squad and of of. 30 plus players like we've about 30 35 36 on the panel so um really look we've we've really i think the last two years especially done done really well and come together as a, a group and um look nothing's going everything's not going to go right the next day but um what we're looking to is just get enough right uh, and to beat Watford and just from finally from your own point of view obviously you've played in very difficult weather conditions in terms of the heat we don't know what way the weather's going to be today if the Waterford came but even the training sessions I mean it must have benefited you because it's so hot I mean the team is actually you know you're probably fitter than you would have been at this time of year normally yeah I think I think there was a big focus on that as well from the start of the year that we probably just need to increase our fitness levels as well if we want to be competing at the other end of, of the championship and and uh, I think the weather has we've got some warm weather training everybody has got some warm weather training without taking putting their hand in their pocket so it's great <laughs> 
I know it's been great I suppose look you can it, it improves the mood and everything so we've really enjoyed the last two weeks of training it's been tough um, and look we're, we're just have been preparing really well for the quarter final we didn't know until um, until, until yeah. the weekend who it was so um, looking forward to the Waterford game and, and look we just want to put in a really good performance and, and get into the next round how much does the fact just finally the fact that you didn't know we were playing until this weekend made you focus easier to focus on yourselves probably a good thing actually yeah it's it's kind of nice to know not who you have for a week or, or whatever a week and a half for us um because we could we could just work on things that we we probably were a little weak at um and focus on ourselves because look we couldn't we couldn't focus on anyone and uh yeah it's nice to do that um for a little bit of time um but all focus now on Watford for the week Okay, Paddy O'Shea, it's Waterford again uh, in the All-Ireland quarter-finals. Uh, they had a very, very good win overthrown and a performance I would imagine you were quite impressed with. Yeah, they were. They were impressive in fairness. Um, Tom probably a bit more open than we'd hoped to be, um, but Waterford took, took full advantage of that, as you'd expect. Um, we know about, enough about them from the league game to cause us trouble on the day, definitely. Um, at the end of that game, there was only a kick in it. They got a few late scores, so we're under no illusions. We know all about them. Uh, we'll give them the respect that they deserve, and then we'll focus um, on ourselves for the rest of the week. And we don't know where the match is just yet at this, at this point in time, but irrespective of where it's at, you need a full 60-minute performance because you saw Dun Dungarvan, as you said, they're quite a good team and they're sticky and they ain't going to go away. Yeah, well, we're at the business end of the, the season and we're quarter-final stage. Um, we don't know what day the game is, we don't know where the game is. At this stage, I don't, I don't think it matters. As you say, we have to just focus on a complete 60-65 minutes of, of ourselves now for next week. You have a couple of injuries and a few niggling worries, I would imagine, coming into it. But other than that, is the squad pretty much full on? Yeah, the squad's very strong. Uh, we do have a couple of niggles, but we've been dealing with injuries and niggles since day one. And we're actually stronger now in terms of that scenario than we were yeah. earlier on. So we're actually very happy. There's very good momentum in the panel at the moment actually yeah you can see that because it's the players that even have come on during the season like so Katie Quirk now is one example like she's slotted in Cy Valeri slotted in they can do a job for you if needed this weekend yeah huge pluses and all those young girls now with each training session with each with each bit of game time they get to get more and more confident in themselves and in their ability and you know when you're young coming into a panel of that and you have the likes of Cairo Sullivan you have Earl Finn across the dressing room it could be a bit daunting and that's wearing off now an awful lot lately thank God and you know they're starting to back themselves more and more right if you Fitzgerald um it's Waterford in the All-Ireland quarter-finals. You've already had a good look at them done, done, Garvin. They gave you a really tough match that day, so you know what to expect, and this is not going to be easy. No, it's quarter-final of an All-Ireland, so it's definitely not going to be easy. Uh, I went to see them yesterday against Tyrone, and they gave a very impressive performance, uh, particularly in the second half. Um, you know, we know what they bring to the table. They're very fast. They're excellent footballers. They're, they're not the biggest team in the world, but... Um, but they, they'll test you but I think we've come on a long way from from that day below and I mean we were 10 points up with you know I think with 10 or 12 minutes to go and we left a slip which we were very disappointed with and that could be a blessing in disguise for us now as well it's a lesson yeah. that we can't take our foot off the pedal either so um, but it's something we're looking forward to you know our, our aim was to, to, to be in the local stages we did that last week comfortably enough and and you know whoever you play for, for, from now on is going to be difficult obviously we'll be overwhelming favourites to win it but you know um, but I think our preparation has been excellent you know obviously we have a few niggling injuries there and stuff now but hopefully they'll clear up and if we have a clean bill of health and I think we have a very strong panel to pick from going forward We talked about the fact that you had the extra week the fact that you played your first two group games first that has been a benefit now? Well, it has in terms of injuries, particularly. You know, girls have picked up a lot of niggles. Like we've trained so hard over the last over the last month, and with the grounds being hard, and you know, the pitches now are bone dry, and you know, hydration can be a problem. So we have a few niggles in terms of hamstrings and that. But all in all, I think we, you know, I've never seen us fitter. So from that point of view, 
um, we're very confident but it's just bringing that performance on the day you know when, when it's not called football anything can happen and you know as I say it, Waterford will be will be full of beans now after you know that comprehensive uh, win over Tyrone yesterday so but you know we just focus on ourselves and we concentrate on what we're trying to do ourselves and you know if we do that and if we play to, to our potential then I think we, you know we have every, every opportunity of winning How happy are you the fact that you've got so many to me anyway you've got so many additional options up front Katie Quirk has come in, Cy Valeri's come in, Emer Scali has returned. They're just three names, but you've got established players coming back from injury. Is it a nice problem to have as a manager now looking at what way you're going to set up for that uh, Waterford game? Well, it is. I think it increases the intensity in training and nobody knows who's going to be starting, you know, probably least of all ourselves, to be honest about it, you know. But mm. We try and pick on form, but also we have to be protective of Dirna is, is back after, yeah. you know, a fairly serious injury. So, you know, she got 15 minutes the last end. You know, hopefully we'll be able to give her a little bit more next week. So all in all, when you, when you look at our aim at the start of the year, as I, as I said to you, Gerald, is that we, we, we wanted to increase the, our, the strength of our panel. And I think you can see from training, you know, the training is a real bite in training and everybody is pushing yeah. pushing individually to try and get on the team. And, you know, when you do that individually and collectively, you know, if we can up up it by 5 or 10%, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll be difficult to beat. Does the fact that you didn't take your foot off the gas, as you mentioned earlier on, especially against Tip in such swelteringly hot conditions that day at Tipperary Town, that's yeah. a real bonus for you because you're looking on the pitch and you're seeing players now, not alone in the AVB games, but in the actual matches themselves, putting their hands up and not relenting. Yeah, well, I think that that was the beauty of the panel again. You know, we brought on four or five girls the last and the difference they made, they, I mean, they, they weren't really particularly worried about what the score was. They just wanted to go and make a mark for themselves. And, you know, when you look at the contributions of the girls that came on, you will be saying, yeah, that we have a very, very strong panel so um, I think we'll need that going forward you know it's 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 no longer the case where you can particularly in the modern game when it's so fast and you know people are it's it, it's it you need to be physically very very fit so you know if you're playing the half hour line half back line it's, it's very difficult to last the hour so it's comforting for us to know that we have girls who can come in and do equally as good a job as, as the ones that are there and that that was our aim to start here and as I say no it's probably the strongest panel we've had since since 2016 I would say and it, you know that augurs well for us I hope going forward that's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM.